Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I have brought you this far in my grace in my strength and in the provision of my hand, my grace has been upon you and I've made your paths clear before you and you've walked in my way, says the Lord. I've protected you and cared for you and I've brought you through many tests and trials when the way looked dark and there seemed like there was no way through, I brought you through. And so rely on me and turn your future over to me, says the Lord. And relax about tomorrow. Because my grace is sufficient for tomorrow as it has been all of the yesterdays of your time. And you'll walk in me and you'll yet see more grace, more dominion, more authority, more blessing, more answers and greater will be your ways going forward than the days and the ways behind for the future is in me, says the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Well, the Lord is good. (laughs) He's real good. Hallelujah. The Lord is very, very, very good. And his mercy endures forever. (laughs) Glory to God. Aren't you glad you're never going to outlive his grace? You're never going to outlive his mercy. He has your tomorrow. He has your tomorrow. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I just believe if we'll submit to him more in the future than we have in the past. My goodness. We'll see victories like we've never seen before. Hallelujah. Experience blessing like we've never known before. Amen. It's been here all along and we've seen a lot of it, but there's so much more. So much more ahead. Glory to God. Amen. You're not too old. You're not too young. Amen. Hallelujah. I want you to go with me in your Bibles tonight to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now this message tonight sort of springs from what I'd been teaching recently about uh, the things uh, God has prepared for us. God has prepared things for each of us. Amen. And he has prepared them. We don't have to prepare them. He's prepared them. All he wants us to do is to search with the help of the Spirit, find out what those things are, put our agreement to it, and then act on his leadings 
and he'll bring them to pass. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And so like I said, this, this teaching sort of flows out of that. And in the 12th chapter of Romans here, I'm going to uh, read some passages or some verses here, I should say, uh, in this chapter that uh, we've read before. You remember back about a year ago, uh, I taught on uh, renewing your mind. Well, I, these scriptures touch on that, and so we're going to make some comments about, about, about that real briefly, but that's, that's not the, uh, the topic, uh, but it, it kind of flows out of that as well. So, uh, Father, we thank you tonight, Lord, for the reading of your holy word. Glory to God. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your word is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So we expect, Father, this word to pierce through our understanding, set things right. Glory to God. Discern uh, the things where our understanding is lacking. And give enlightenment to us. There's light and revelation in this word. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. And again, I want to uh, thank Pastor Greg and Sammy and, and uh, the rest of the ministry staff that uh, do so capable a job while we're gone. Praise the Lord. And uh, it's a blessing to leave in peace. <laughs> and to come home in peace. Amen. Glory to God. Romans chapter 12. Uh, Well, let's read the first two verses and then I'll make some comments. Verse one says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to focus for just a moment on the last clause there that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, there's, uh, there's, there are things that are good and it's good in the will of God, but it might not be perfect. Amen. And uh, if there's a perfect will of God and there's a good will of God, there's something in between. And that's the acceptable will of God, or I like to call it the permissive will of God. And it's better to be in the good will of God than not in the will of God at all. But it's far better to be in the perfect will of God than just in the good will of God. And it is a progression, and all of us in our lives move through this progression in following after the Lord. No one has fully arrived, I don't suppose, In the perfect will of God in every degree or in every sense of the word or in every place that the Lord has for us. But thank God we are moving up. Hallelujah. Now, the the subject of this entire chapter, and we're going to, before it's over, we'll read all of the verses in this chapter. Not tonight, but we will read them. Uh, The subject of this entire chapter is how to serve God. That is how to, beco- how to become a productive, productive member uh, in the local church. Amen. Uh, this chapter provides the guidelines for answering the questions, what is my ministry? How many of you ever, have, have ever asked yourself that question? What is my ministry? Or you could say, what is my place? What is my place? 
And how do I fulfill it? Uh, it's important to realize that every Christian has a God-given ministry to be fulfilled in the local church. You have a place in this church, every one of you do, and it's not just a seat on a certain row. <laughs> Amen. Now, it's interesting when uh, I think the last time, at least according to my records, the last time I ministered along this particular line uh, was over 20 years ago. And I wrote my book on uh, 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 building a strong, I want to say developing, I meant building a strong local church. In, I published it in, in uh, October of 2020. It had taken me about, uh, that was about five years from the time I started it. I had it wrote, written, excuse me, had it written. Thank you, Miss Grammatical Holy Ghost here. The inward witness of all things grammar. Huh? Grammar cop. Hallelujah. I had it written in uh, 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 2000, uh, 2000, let's see, I, wrote, I finished it in 2020, so I had it written in, in 2015, pretty much completely. Uh, but it took me a while to publish it because I had to rewrite it and had to edit it and had to figure out how to get it in a format that was publishable. And I didn't know how to do it and didn't know how to ask people, didn't know how to ask the right questions. Nobody could help me because I couldn't ask the right questions. And uh, so we finally got it done, praise the Lord. But I wrote, I, I have these notes uh, from 20, from 2000, and it's interesting the, the, the way my concept and understanding of the, of the local church had, had grown. Now, this was in 2000, so I'd been in the ministry for, for 30, huh? 20 years. So, uh, you know, I'd been, I'd been pastoring for a while, and I had some light, but just to, just to cue you, uh, clue you in here, the sentence reads here in my original notes, the subject of this entire chapter is how to serve God. That is how to become a productive member of the body of Christ. Capital B, capital C, body of Christ. And I know that my concept was the universal body of Christ. See how I wrote that? But tonight I said how to become a productive member of the local body, the local church. Amen. And uh, so go with, with me, before we leave this chapter, go down to the sixth chapter. It says, or sixth verse, excuse me, chapter 12, verse six. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Each one of us have gifts that belong in this church. They're given to us for this local body. Now, the reason I know in this chapter that he's talking about the local church is, well, how, how do you know it's not principally or fundamentally talking about the universal church and you can just apply it to the local church? Well, if you read verse 3, which, where is um, uh, uh, Zach? I thought this was going to be the verse. You said, you know, when you're up here that it'd be good to look to a verse. I thought it was going to be this verse right here. To everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. I thought... <laughs> I really thought that's where you were going. <laughs> but this verse says, verse 3 says, But I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you. 
Now we know this applies to all Christians everywhere, but the context is he's, he's talking about something that applied to the believers in the context of other believers around them, to those who were among you. If you go down to uh, verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. You know, I've said that the, that the, the best uh, way to really perfect the love walk is to have to walk in love. You know, you can, you can quote, I used to do that. I used to take all the love scriptures. I had the amplified translation of, of, uh, of 1 Corinthians 13, you know, where the love verses. And, and I had them, this was way before computers. I didn't, you know, even personal computers didn't even exist. And uh, this was back in the 70s. I took those verses and I typed them out on a typewriter on a little strip of paper about this wide, you know. And I, and I opened my Bible as far as I could get it, you know, without damaging the binding and put a little bead of glue and stuck that in there so that, and it, and it stayed. Of course, when it dried, every time I opened 1 Corinthians 13, that little marker was in there, but it was fixed. It wouldn't come out. And, uh, and so I, because every time I read 1 Corinthians 13, I wanted to read it in the Amplified Bible, you know, and I even took that, uh, a little card, I typed up a little card and I would take it to work with me. And I was working with a phone company and while I was working on circuits, you know, wiring, putting in capacitors or changing resistors, you, you know, doing that thing, that, that sort of thing on the back of a, of a piece of equipment, uh, I would take that and I would put that little card, I'd tape it or, or tape, you know, tape it or, or stick it some way above where I was working. So while I was working, I could look up every few minutes and just read a little bit of it and just meditate on it, meditate on it, meditate on it. And that's important. It's real important. But nothing takes the place of actually doing it. And nothing takes the place of being in a spot where you have to do it. And because people are putting a demand on you with their aggravating life. Amen. I won't even tell you where that might happen, but it could happen in a lot of places. And uh, uh, so this is talking about being kindly affectionate to one another. In honor preferring one another. Well, the, the most uh, obvious place you do that is in the local church. Uh, you really don't honor people in the universal church because you don't even know them. Well, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Verse 16 says, be of the same mind toward one another. So again, this is primarily talking about your involvement in the local church and like I said, this, this entire chapter deals with how to serve God among one another in relationship to one another. Amen. And uh, let's, let's, let's look again at verse 6 before we go on. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given. Notice grace is given to you. Grace for what? Gifts are given to you. For what? To serve one another. Amen. And then hold your place and go over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. And let's look at verse number 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Let me see if I've got this in the uh, Knox translation. Knox translation of verse 7 says... But each of us has received his own special grace 
dealt out to him by Christ's gift. In other words, when, when Christ, uh, when he ascended on high, he, and, and he, he says that, that, that he gave gifts unto men. And it, and it talks about ministry gifts. But he also spread out gifts throughout the body of Christ. All of us have a portion of, of, of the Lord Jesus' grace. The grace that was on him as a person, as an, one man, as an individual who walked. He had all of the grace on him that everybody in the church has. Think about that. Wow. That's, that's why he was such a, a, a remarkable person in every way. I mean, you just can't even fathom the, the, the grace and the, uh, uh, we beheld his, his grace and his glory, the Bible said. Well, we all have a part of that. And in order for the body of Christ worldwide to be what it needs to be, every church full of every individual needs to be flowing in their place. And for, and for our church to be what it needs to be and what the Lord wants it to be, we all have to be in our place. Like I said, that's not a particular chair or seat. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, this is a very solemn truth, and it should have a profound impact on our concept of our service to God and of, and, uh, and of our responsibility to one another. You know, we have responsibility to one another. Amen. Uh, I know this, and, I, and I've talked about this before. You know, you've heard me. Uh, when I first became a pastor, you know, I really thought of the, I was all about the universal church. Universal church was the big, you know, all, end all, and it's all we talked about, you know, and that's what, that's what theologians magnified. And I was reading my reference Bible and, you know, it's all about the universal church. They made reference to the local church and I was involved in a local church and I had been raised to go to church. So I believed in the local church, but somehow un, just a, there was a, an unconscious misconception uh, uh, and misunderstanding. Even though, I, even though I knew that every Christian ought to be a part of a local church and, that, and it was not optional. Every Christian should be in a local church. I knew God ordained it and was in it in the sense that, that it was his idea. I still didn't see the local church as, as uh, having uh, uh, a specific uh, uh, identity that God recognized. And he actually had, there was actually a calling on that church. I primarily thought... Again, I, I don't think I would have said this if you asked me, but, but after, I, after I received more revelation than I realized where I'd missed it, I, I kind of thought that people got together. You know, people gathered, a church was just a gathering of believers who got together. And, and sure, you know, supposedly, I guess, you know, people said they were led of the Lord to get together. And I, I was sure he did that. And I, I, was, I was involved when I was 14. Uh, our, our local church split off from a... From, from another local church that my grandparents helped found. And, uh, and so I'd been, my family had been in that church, you know, uh, for a long, long time. And our church that, that we started when I was 14 was an offshoot of one of those local churches, the local church I belong to, that, that sort of mother church, you know, of our denomination. In our, in our city in Jacksonville, it, it was considered the mother church. All the other churches in the city had at one time 
you know, been planted out of, out of that church. But, but our pastor, with the, with the approval and the blessing of the state officials, you know, he, he uh, uh, led a group of us out to start another church. So I, I was involved in the forming, even though I was only 14. I still was a part of that. You know, you're not stupid when you're 14, you know. You know, it's not like you're 12 or 8 or 6. You know, you're growing up a little bit, you know. And um, so you're a little bit smarter, a little bit more aware. And so what, what are you laughing at? trying to dig myself out of this somehow. <laughs> but, but we had a sense, you know, that we were, that we were in this, that we were doing something important. And, uh, so I, so I said that to say that even though we were, uh, you know, starting this church and we knew God was in it still, there was so much of the natural realm of organization and people, you know, politicking, because, you know, in the, in the mother church, there were some people that didn't like the idea that some of us were leaving, even though, you know, the pastor had, had uh, you know, uh, kind of spearheaded this and the state officials thought it was a good idea. And, you know, and, and, and the church, the mother church still existed, you know, we didn't ruin it. Uh, but, you know, there was, some, there was some disagreement and so there were a lot of natural things. And to me, it was just like the local church was sort of, you know, man's uh, attempt at the body of Christ. And, and, but I found out it was, it wasn't, it, it's not natural at all. There are, there are natural things involved in it, but the local church is not a natural thing. It is a supernatural thing. It's a thing of the spirit. It's something that God planned and God births. God creates local churches as he wills. And even though we're natural people and we relate to one another naturally. We, we always need to, to remember that the work of the church, the local church is spiritual. And, and uh, if, it's, if it's a spiritual work, a supernatural work, then everything that's related to it, everything in it has a supernatural component. Many times we don't feel it. When you're, when you're trimming the hedges... Well, you know what I'm saying? When you're painting the, the, uh, the playground equipment, you don't feel a rush of glory. You don't tremble, you know, in the, under the power of God with that paintbrush, you know, just so aware that you're doing the holy work of God. You don't sense that. But it is a holy thing. And, you know, when, when I first, when my wife and I first started the church, and our, how old were you? Uh, five? Five? Five years old? How old was he, honey? Huh? Almost six. Yep. Uh, we started the church. My wife and I did everything. We did it. it was, the, everything didn't involve a lot because you can only do so much. We started the church in someone's home and I wore three hats on a Sunday morning. I, I first led praise and worship. We had no instrument on Sundays. Uh, Later, just a short time later, a lady came in with a tambourine. And up until that point, I hated tambourines. I had gone to a charismatic word of faith church in Jacksonville, and they had this guy that would come in with a tambourine, and I'd try to get as far away from him, I'm not kidding, as I could. It was a small room, not even the size of this section over here, and, uh, and he'd beat that tambourine, and I'd get as far away. I remember coming to church one, one midweek night, and he had that tambourine, and I had a terrible headache. 
and he's, he's hitting that tambourine. I had to, I physically got in my car and left and went down to a park down by the river and just sat there and prayed in tongues till I got my headache over a little bit before I could even go back to the church. So I had no love for, uh, for tambourines. But when, when Tess Karnak, Kornak, Karnak, Kornak, when Tess Kornak, the magician came, no, when Tess Kornak came, she brought that tambourine. Oh my Lord, thank you, Jesus. We have something to play, you know. But I, I led, I led praise and worship and then I took that hat off. And I, and I taught a Sunday school class because everybody there then wanted Sunday school. So I taught a, a Sunday school class. Then I took that hat off and then I taught them the morning message all in the living room, you know, within an hour and a half span. And, uh, and Angela took care of the, of the children in one of the bedrooms. And that was all we could do. It's all we had when we uh, moved on a little bit, you know, and got into the, the woman's club down here. She still taught the children. And uh, when we moved into the uh, First Baptist Church, when we, before we bought it, we moved into it with there a year, I think, and then we bought it. And uh, she was still doing the children's ministry until finally, I don't know, maybe a year we'd been in there, two years, I don't remember. I finally, you know, I realized I needed her in, in the adult service with me. And I needed her to be with me and, 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 and to help me and so forth. And so I just said to the church, I said, you know what? My children, we teach our children at home. Our children are going to heaven. They're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost and walk in the things of God and live for him all the days of their life, whether we have a children's church or not. So I don't need this for my kids. I'm only doing this for your kids. And my wife has been doing it and I need her in the, in the adult service. So starting, I don't know if it was next week or two weeks, I said, starting whenever that deadline was, my wife will be here. And if somebody doesn't step up and do children's church, we just won't have one. And it won't affect my family at all. Well, somebody stepped up. It was Ruth, Ruth Dunn. Ruth Dunn stepped up. She was coming then. Bob Dunn's mom. And uh, so uh, my point was we did everything. When the, when the plants outside the church grew up, and we're, and we're gnarly looking, I would get out there and, and uh, trim the hedges. Now, eventually, we had a work day, but the work day only came around ever so often. I was out there, you know, pretty, pretty often because the appearance of the church is important. It's important to God. It's not, it's not just a natural thing. Feels, it felt like a natural thing when I was trimming the hedges. But the appearance of the church, God would have us to present ourselves to the community as well as we can. And so that is a work of the Lord. Well, I did it. We cleaned the church. We did all sorts of things. But you know, the time came when we had to, because it was, it comes under the capacity of the pastor and the role of the pastor. If it's not being done, you got to do it. Our family cleaned the church. Do you remember when we tore the insides of the church out downstairs? (laughs) He loved that. In the, in the old building, it at at used to be First Baptist, now it's um, Soldiers of the Cross. For those of you who've never been in it, when you go in up the front steps, you go up and, and the, and the uh, main auditorium is, is off the ground, and the basement is half in the ground. There, there was a back door and a side door that you went down steps to go into the basement. It was about four feet in the ground, and then you had that basement, and then you had the, 
the main floor, and so there were big steps up the front. Well, when you went upstairs and came down into the into the uh, uh, basement, there was a, an old uh, 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 non-functioning kitchen off to one side. Then there was an empty classroom of some sorts. I don't remember too much how it looked because we eventually turned it into a bookstore. There were two bathrooms downstairs, a men's room and a ladies' room. And it's those two bathrooms, if you ever drive by, are, are located under the front porch where the big pillars are, right under that porch. That's where the bathrooms are. We called them the dungeon bathrooms. They, anyway, but you walk in the main part of the, of, the, of the downstairs, and I guess it was their fellowship hall because there was a kitchen there, but they had no room because there was a wall. Of, there was a line of classrooms down the side that's along, uh, what is that, first... Uh, First Street? Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a, there was a low, row of classrooms down that wall that we weren't using. And so the area that they had for a fellowship hall, I don't know how they did it because they had a full congregation. We had about 40 people. 30, I think, when we moved in. So uh, I kept talking to people about, you know, we need to, we need to gut all of them. Now, there, there, was a, there were three big metal you know, posts that supported a beam that ran under the floor. So I knew that side wall, that wall with all the doors was not load bearing. And, uh, cause I'd gotten, it was above the, uh, uh, false ceiling, but I gotten up there and looked around. So I said, we need to gut this whole thing. I couldn't get anybody to do it. I talked about it. People, yeah, I guess we ought to do it. Nobody would do it. So finally one Wednesday night, if I'm not mistaken, after, after midweek service, it must've been in the summer when you kids weren't in school, but after the midweek service, my wife and me and our two boys got in there and started demolishing those classrooms. We left the wall up where the, where the doors were, and we knocked down all the walls in between. It took us several days. We knocked it all down. I don't, know, I don't remember how we got it out of there. Did we rent a trailer or something? We knocked all those walls down. And the next Sunday, everybody came in, you know, said, well, what have y'all been doing? I said, well, look at this. Open the door and all the walls inside were gone. They said, well, that looks really good. That's wonderful, Pastor. I said, well, it would have been nice to have some help. So we, our family, I think the, the, the four of us knocked the, the, the doors, the, the wall with the doors, knocked it down. And so people kind of got a vision. Then, you know, we need to renovate the downstairs. Said, yeah, that'd be nice. But point is that there's... there's Everything involved in the local church is spiritual and it wasn't beneath me to do it. Had to be done. It's my responsibility because it's not on anybody else. It's on me. But that has to be shared. So everybody has a part and there's, there's a grace. You could say that the grace of the whole little church was on me because I had to do it. But I, I physically couldn't do it all. And God raised up people. To get the job done. And so every one of us has a place. And it's an important place. And it is a ministry unto the Lord. Amen. Now it's comforting. To know that God doesn't require perfection from us overnight. But moves us on from the good. To the acceptable. To the perfect will of God. And God as you well know. Is infinitely patient. (laughs) He is, he is overwhelmingly patient. Thank God. (laughs) 
Oh, glory to God. He, he doesn't get in a hurry. And, you know, David and Diane here, they're the, they're the, uh, they're the second longest remaining people. Mark and Leslie Morgan and Stephen are, are the, huh? Yeah, he was one. So you came right after his parents started coming. So they're the, they're the longest enduring members of our church. And David and Diane are just the oldest members. <laughs> you know, when my mom turned 80, she, uh, she really needed to, to have one of these walkers. But she didn't want one of those walkers. She said, it made me look, she said, it makes me look old. I said, mom, you are old. And I didn't mean that as this. She said, well, thank you very much. And I said, it's, it's a badge of honor to live to 80 years old. I mean, I, 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 I see you're not looking to change status. You still want to be here, right? Oh yeah. You know, so, well, that's a good thing. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, people have come along to help carry the load and everybody has, everyone is valuable. So don't look, it's easy to look, let's say you're an usher. I'm not picking on ushers. Let's, let's say you work in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, video, you know, you're doing slides, you're loading up the slides before service for the songs and you're clicking through the slides. Uh, it'd be very easy for you to, to, to look at that role and everything else as, as just being natural. Because, you know, you have to use your brain and you have to stay awake and, and uh, be on cue and, and, and have the slides in order and all of that. It's, all, it's a lot of mental stuff. I started to say it's all mental. It seems like it's all mental. But there's a grace on them to do that. And, and if you will look at your position as something of God and look for his help in doing it, you'll be amazed at, at the, the answers that come to you, the, the uh, uh, awareness of what's going on and what's coming next and what God might be doing. If you'll look at it as a work unto the Lord, the Lord can then start re- looking to you and start pouring revelation into you about that. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now, uh, in verse, go back to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. In verse 1, he says, uh, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Oh, the translations say, which is your rational worship. Uh, our first service is to the Lord, is to God himself, presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Is that a spiritual thing? Yes. Is, is that something God's interested in? It is. And so our first responsibility is to simply live a holy life. You know, that's your first responsibility to the Lord. Your first responsibility is to be well-pleasing to Him. To live a holy life. Holiness honors God. Unholiness dishonors God. He'll still love you, but it's a dishonor. Amen. And so he wants us to present our bodies a living sacrifice, uh, holy and, and acceptable to God, because it's our reasonable, rational worship and service. Verse 2 is a transitional verse. 
Verse 2 relates to verse 1, and then it different, in a different way it relates to verses 3 and, and down through verse 21. Uh, verse 2, in, in relation to 1, verse 1, is about our service to God himself by living a holy life. And secondly, verses 3 through 21 uh, is related to our service to the church. And you know what? You cannot live... Uh, you cannot live sufficiently for God and serve Him without also serving your local church. Can't. Like I said, verse 2 has an application to verse 1. It also has an application to verse 2. How does it apply to verse number 1? He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be consumed and or conformed rather to this world. You know the translation we used when we were studying this last year. I'm going to read it because I think it's real good here. It says, stop assuming an outward expression that does not come from within you and is not representative of what you are in your inner being, but is patterned after this age. But be transformed. The word transform is, is the Greek word for uh, metamorphosis. And it means to change your outward expression. So that's the way this Weiss translation reads. Change your outward expression to one that comes from within and is representative of your inner being. So in verse 2 relating to verse 1 says stop acting like the world. And be transformed so that the good things, the holiness, the purity of God that, that, that is your reasonable service. The things that, that are in you in Christ will show up. In your outward man. Start living that way. And how does it happen? By renewing your mind to the will and to uh, who, you are, who you really are and what you have in Christ. Now relating to verse 3 through 21, verse 2 tells us we have to stop assuming an outward expression patterned after this world's thinking. Not consistent with our recreated spirits. We must renew our minds to what the word says we can do. And the metamorphosis will begin. We start renewing our minds to the fact that we're members of one another. And as we renew our minds to that, we move from pew sitters to workers in the church. I have seen it over and over and over hundreds of times. I've seen it. People come in. They're just, they don't have a clue. And now if it come from a, from a transfer from other church, you know, that's one thing. Uh, you may or may not have it. But particularly people that are, that are newly saved, they come in, they don't have any idea what the local church is about. And I watch them as they present their bodies, as they begin to renew their minds with the word of God, they begin to take their place. Well, that's, that's the intent. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to renew our mind and follow the leading of the spirit and take our place. Amen. That you may prove. That word prove means to put to the test for the purpose of, purpose of approving. And finding that the thing tested meets the specifications laid down to put one's approval upon it. So it means to, 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 to prove and then approve. Williams translation says that you may find and follow what is the good and, per, and, and uh, acceptable and perfect will of God. Our place of service will only be revealed as we grow in our understanding of the word and as we're led by the spirit. 
In other words, you'll ask yourself, what does the word say about how I am to serve in the local church? That's the process of maturing. If you're maturing in Christ, if you need to be asking the question, what am I supposed to be doing? What, what can I do? How do I take my place? So it's a, it's a process from going from the good to the acceptable to the perfect will of God. And it's good to start out in the goodwill of God in the local church. It's good to do something. It's good to do something, anything. That's good. As long as you don't cause trouble doing it, <laughs> it's good. As long as you're not disrupting things, it's good. So it's good to serve, but there's a, there's a, there's a higher place. There's a place where, where you move in to, to a more, a fuller uh, place. Of, of service in the church where you're, where you're getting closer to what God really has for you. And he will, it's acceptable for you to stay in that place, but not forever. The acceptable will of God won't last forever because after a while it can become unacceptable. Whenever, particularly when you have understanding of what uh, the perfect will of God and what his complete will is, God won't allow you to stay in that uh, acceptable will of God comfortably. You can stay in it, but not comfortably. Amen. And, and that applies to all of us. Hallelujah. Human reasoning and thinking, which is conforming to this world, will keep you from finding and following the things God really has planned for you. Human reasoning, human thinking, Think, thoughts like, well, I can't do that. Thoughts like, well, you know, if I do that, I'll have to come to church more often. That's human reasoning. Thoughts like, well, I'm unworthy. Well, no, you're, you're not. Jesus made you worthy. Or the flip side of that is I'm too good. That's human reasoning too. That'll keep you out of the will of God. Well, I'm, I, you know, I'm more talented. My, my talents aren't being used. Well, that's human reasoning. Uh, no one will take me seriously. I, I had that thought before I went into the ministry. I thought, if sure is the world, if I start telling people I feel like I'm called to ministry, they will laugh. I thought people will laugh. They'll think. Are you kidding me? You can't even put two sentences together. And you're going to go into the ministry. No one would take me seriously, I thought. But, you know, eventually I just had to say it. I had to square my shoulders. And with fear and, and trembling, I had to say to somebody, to a living person, you know, I think, I think I'm called into the ministry. You know, and just check the reaction, you know, to see if they fell out. Check my heart, you know. But you, you, have to, you have to get to a place where you're willing to embrace something that's bigger than you and not think about yourself. Amen. Uh, I'm afraid of being a failure is another big lie. A failure, it's a fa that's a failure in itself. I'm afraid of being a failure. Well, uh, start putting your trust in God. 
If, see, when you start meditating in the Word and you find out who you are in Christ, it starts weeding out that failure complex, that inferiority complex. Well, I'm just a baby Christian. Well, if you keep thinking that way, that's the way you'll stay. Don't, don't, see, a lot of people, a lot of people uh, will say things because it becomes a crutch. Well, you know, I'm just a baby Christian. I, I'm, I'm young. I'm new at this. Well, if, if, uh, if you have an opportunity and somebody asks you to serve, take it. Take it. Well, I, you know, I'm just, a, I'm young at this. Well, take it. It's okay. You may not be as immature as you think you are. Praise the Lord. I don't know enough about the Bible. Well, guess what? I don't either. <laughs> None of us know enough about, has anybody, I don't know of anybody that could say, you know what? I know enough about the Bible. <laughs> Nobody. So welcome to the club. Uh, well, people will think I'm trying to promote myself. Well, uh, if you won't act like you're trying to promote yourself, people won't think it. Amen. Well, glory to God. Unlike our service in verse number one, verse number one, our, our service to God is pretty much the same for all of us. What is that? That we live a holy life, acceptable to God, holy living, clean living, pure living. That's the same for all of us. Amen. And as long as you have flesh, that'll be a challenge. Uh, Pastor Morgan Dufresne preached a, an excellent message on Wednesday night or Tuesday night out at the church in, in Marietta about our flesh. And uh, she said, sometimes people say, well, you know, my flesh is just out of control. She said, no, it's not. It's, it's in control. <laughs> it's not out of control. It is flesh after all. And, and, and Galatians tells us what the flesh is like. All these bad, wicked things. So your flesh is not out of control. It is firmly in control. And that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. Because instead of letting your spirit man take control, your flesh is in control and it's doing a superb job. It's doing just what it's cut out to do, just what it's meant to do, it's nature to do. So she said it, 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 comes, to, to, it, it comes down to who's in control. Amen. She said it's like a political, the political parties, you know. There's one party in control and then there's another party in control. And, and uh, when you have one party in control, the other party doesn't like it. The other party has different values and different goals and different agendas. And so there's, there's a pull back and forth. But we'd all like things to come into harmony and, and to unison. And there is a way to get your flesh to come into harmony with your spirit. Amen. Now, that's another message. You'll have to listen to it. It was real good. You can go online and watch her. So uh, verses, verse 1 has to do with our, our service to God, which is the same for all of us. But the other verses have to do with our service to God, which is diverse. Now, the word diversity is real popular these days. And uh, uh, it's misused, of course. But the word d diversity is real popular. It's not in this passage, but it's implied all through it. Because we will, the word re will re re reveal different areas of service to the, to the local church for each of us. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Go with me to Second uh, Timothy first, verse number 1. This is also a passage we looked at a couple weeks ago. Second Timothy verse number 1. God who has saved us. 2 Timothy 1.9. 
God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Now, this isn't just talking to preachers. Because this applies to everybody. All scripture is given by inspiration of of God and is profitable for for, uh, rebuke and exhortation and so forth that the man or woman of God, the child of God, may be furnished for every good work, be able to do the work of God. So did you know you were called with a holy calling? A holy calling. Yeah, but I just, I just work in security. It's a holy calling. Because we need security. Jesus doesn't need security. But we do. And he's concerned about us. And if, you, if, you, if all you do is serve tea and water at the church fellowship, if that's all you do... While you're, you could be doing more. Don't misunderstand me. That's not an excuse to just do that. But in, in people who are serving water and, and drinks, they do do more, right? But if that's all you do when you're doing that, that is a service unto the Lord. Because you're, you're, you're it'd be a free for all around the drink container if there wasn't somebody doing that. Well, Jesus is interested in that. The, the Lord is interested in us uh, having the things that we need. And so everybody's function is important. And, and I'm not saying that God necessarily called you before you were born to serve tea and water, you know, at the church fellowship. But he called you to serve. He called you to serve. And there is a place for you. Amen. Don't think that this is probably not true of this group. Because this is the creme de la creme right here. You know, Pastor Greg talked about, yeah, amen over there. There you go, Luke. Pastor Greg talked about tithes, the importance of tithing. Look look who's here tonight. Don't think about who's not here, but just look who's here. Everybody doesn't come back for that. They don't want more of that. That's why he's going to wait until another Sunday. When they they least expect it, he'll talk about it some more. Because Pastor Angela's already told me she wants to do next week, Mother's Day. And she, 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 huh? she said maybe, but how many of you think she ought to do it? Yeah, you're voted in. You're voted in. And I figure I ought to do something. You know, so that's why I'm here tonight. You know, I got I to gotta carry my, you know, my weight a little bit around here. And so... When, when people come next week, they'll think they're going to get another, you know, tithing message and they'll be hit with a wonderful uh, Mother's Day message. And the next Sunday, they'll forget about it and they'll come back and Brother, Brother Greg will hit them right between the eyes again. <laughs> don't, don't think of your, and like I said, this doesn't apply to most of us, but just at the outside chance, somebody else might be hearing this. Somebody might click on this and listen to it. Don't think that coming to church is just coming to this church or being a part of this church is a segregated part of your of your walk with God and that you have other uh, things where you uh, serve God or 
or, or where you feed and all of that. You need to, you need to be, con- it's, not, it's not that it's wrong to listen to other voices, but you have to be careful. But you, you have to have a local church where you belong that is your fundamental family, local family of God. You know, when God created man and woman and, and, and created families, he put us in distinct homes. And, and the village doesn't raise us. It doesn't take a village to raise us. It takes a, a family to raise us. And we have our own distinct family. God created it that way. And it's a type of the local church too. Because God puts us in a local family so that that can be our home. That can be the place that, that we're, to, we're totally in. Excuse me. We're all in. We're all in. This is my church. I, I go to church. I'm, I'm there. I serve there. Don't let, don't let, I don't know who I'm talking to because you're all, you're all the Sunday night crowd. Don't let some other activity even be close to your local church. No other Christian activity. Prayer group or whatever it might be, don't let anything even come close because it'll hinder you in serving where God's assigned you. I mean, if you're supposed to be here, you're supposed to be here. And, and God didn't put you as a natural person. He didn't put you in two families. I'm talking about, you know, when you were born, you were born into one family. You weren't born into the block. <laughs> you know, you weren't born into a side of town. You were born into a home, into a family. And God designed you to, that, that we be nurtured in that family and that we learn to take out the trash in that family and that we clean our rooms in that family and we wash the car in that family. We learn how to cook in that family. We do the work of the family. Amen. It's okay to wash somebody else's car, but not until you wash mine. Isn't that right? Praise the Lord. I have to wash my own car now unless I pay somebody to wash it. Glory to God. Amen. Well, let's stop here. I, f- I forgot what time I started. Oh, well, 7.15, that's been 42 uh, uh, minutes, so. Huh? Huh? 2.52 minutes. I can't add when I'm up here. I'm looking at the clock. You didn't even know how old Greg was when we started this. No, she didn't love Greg as much as she loved Steve. That's why. Steve was first, but Greg was the baby. (laughs) So I'll let Steve and Greg deal with that. (laughs) Steve was first, but Greg was the baby. Praise the Lord. Well, let's stand up. Glory to God. God wants you to thrive here. He wants you to come out of a shell, and most of you have, come out of that shell of barely belonging just serving, you know, just enough to say you've served. Come out of that shell and, and, and take ownership in your church. Take ownership in your church. This is your church. God put you, you here for a reason. Amen. And uh, be here every chance you can. And again, I'm preaching to the choir because you all, you all are here all the time. But if you, if you talk to somebody, let them know what I said. And and say, the pastor is expecting you to be here all the time. Amen.
Praise the Lord. Glory to God. We have, we have Napoleon on the front row right here. Pastor Greg stood up here. He's got his little deformed little hand in his, in his shirt. <laughs> De, deformed, swollen hand. <laughs> Glory to God. God's good, isn't he? I'm so glad God called me to this place. Oh, I'm so glad. I, I, I had no idea when God first started dealing with me. I had no idea what God would do and how good it could be. But thank God he didn't tell me. <laughs> he didn't tell me too soon. He didn't tell me too early. Thank God. Because I couldn't have handled it. But God's got a plan for you that's bigger than you know. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. And Sister Iris is just as excited about it now as she ever has been. She's been serving God so faithfully in this church for so many years. And she's not even thinking about slowing down. No. Glory to God. I, think about all, the, all the, the blessing that Iris has been to this church. And, and what if she wasn't here? What if, what, what if God had never sent us to us? We would have, our lives would not be as enriched. Her life wouldn't be as enriched. And, and we could say that over and over and over all through this church. God's, God has a purpose for us. God has a purpose. Just, not just for me and this church. God has a purpose for all of us. So I, I want us to, to uh, focus on you know, taking ownership of our place. Because God wants us to. Amen. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Father, we honor you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the call. Thank you, Father, for the call. Before time began, before the foundation of this world, you knew what was needed. You knew our place, Father. You knew our place. Many of us ran from that call for a while. But you were gracious. And you helped us. And you, and you, and you protected us. Looked after us. You were patient. And, you, and, and, and faithful to never give up. You kept on dealing with us, dealing with us. Every time we would just just take the brakes off of our own determination, it just just turn a little bit toward you. We're right there to guide a little further, pull a little more. Oh, glory to God. And you brought us to this place. It's a place of great blessing, great blessing, great blessing. Father, I just, I pray that everyone here tonight, Lord, will, will, will have an understanding of how precious it is to be called of God. How, how precious it is to have a part in what you're doing in a local church, but specifically in this local church. How, how wonderful that is, Father. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for everyone who serves. I thank you for everyone who gives their time to make these services and in our fellowship possible. Every time we come together, we have such a, a wonderful experience. And your presence 
is, is so wonderful and we're ministered to. And it's not just because of who's in the pulpit. It's because of everyone, everyone doing their part. Oh, glory to God. We thank you for that, Father. I thank you. I thank you for everyone, Father. And I pray, Lord, that the reward be great. The reward, Father, come to, to pass in every person's life that no one throws in the towel. That no one forfeits their future. That no, one's, no one gets out of the divine plan and misses their day of harvest. Misses their season of harvest. The times of reaping, Father, that are ahead for every one of us. I pray that, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God is good. Great things are happening. Prayer happens tomorrow night at 7 o'clock for the adults and for the youth. They'll be next door and uh, having their prayer meeting and then church on Wednesday night. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. We have some folks on vacation. Some are going or some are coming back this week. Some left today, but we're here. Amen. And God's here and we're going to have a great time. Amen. Hallelujah. Got anything? Got anything? Go ahead. Thank you, Father. I was just uh, real quick. Um, Iris, eternity is going to be amazing. The faithful are going to love yeah. eternity, I can tell you that. Yeah. So, yeah. And I'm going to be one of them. I know you are too. So I just want to mention, Pastor mentioned, uh, had said about the people who are come on Sundays who don't come Sunday nights. You know, it would be a big help to us for the body. Part This is part of the function of the body is to help with those who don't come back on Sunday evenings. Because, uh, you know, people sometimes get a little upset with us about telling them they need to come all the time. But it's something different if if the body itself is saying, hey, you know, we love, you know, it's great seeing you. You know, you don't come tonight. You sit with me or or going out of your way to establish some of those relationships. Maybe that aren't as strong as they could be to give you a voice. Yeah, yeah tell them what you get out of the services. Not that you want to hound people, but you can prayerfully have the Lord direct you on people to, to relationships to strengthen things to do to help get those people because it's not that we just want bigger numbers they need what's being ministered you know if you only come Sunday mornings you, you you just you don't get the life of the church you're not getting everything that's presented and those who I trust see the value that's why you're here you can help relay that to people and and get them here as well and that would be a blessing to us as well because you know they hear from us all the time but it's different when the body starts then saying hey you know we would love to have you why don't you come back and sit with me or you know, you should have heard what pastor talked about sunday night it was amazing you got to come next week you know uh, that'll be a big a big blessing as well so praise god at impact family church it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the word of god we have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.